I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Planet Film Network podcast feed. I am one of your hosts, as always, Sean Monk. And I'm your other host, TJ Cornwell, and we are back uh, today for another one-hour movie with a special guest, uh, our very special guest, as always, uh, Mr. Brandon Freeman, joining us for a, I don't know how many times it's been at this point, but maybe a fifth or sixth time. Hello, Brandon. How's it going, guys? We're good. How are you, Sean? I am doing uh, very well. Very excited, as I, we have been the last two weeks, um, to dive into this movie and talk about it. Um, very excited. Very excited to have Brandon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, and by the way, Brandon, uh, and uh, Sean, if you want to make a note of this, because I'm just going to go on a tangent real quick. If we ever mess up or anything, we have, like, a gap, we could just edit it out, like what I'm saying right now. <laughs> So, you know, if you ever, like, don't have any, don't know what to say and need to pause or whatever, it's fine. Um, all right. So, uh, I guess first, uh, today, sorry, we're going to be talking about, uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, leading up, of course, to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that will be coming out on Disney Plus next week. Um, we've done Phantom Menace, we've done Attack of the Clones, and this is the final, uh, episode leading up to that show. Uh, so usually we start off these shows, uh, asking each other, you know, how we came to the movie or more, more saying, you know, when you first saw the movie and what was your first react to the movie? So since Brandon's the guest, let's start off with him. Brandon, when did you, that you can recall first seeing this movie and what was your kind of, uh, opinion of it when you first saw it? All right, so I remember seeing this movie opening night in theaters with my next-door neighbor. Uh, We had went to the movie theater in the Galleria, and so my first takeaway was I was absolutely blown away by how well I liked it, Um, aside from the fact of Mace Windu dying in the middle of the movie. He was one of my favorite characters and it just yeah. really upset me that I, as a kid, I mean, I was 11 years old at the time. I really hated movies where a lot of my favorite characters died. That's why Phantom Menace was really hard for me. Um, but other than that, I, I love the movie. I walked out probably is the same way I feel today, which is the best star Wars movie. Wow. That's a bold opinion, <laughs> which we've probably talked about too on our ranking. Cause I think yes. you were on for that, right? Yep. Yeah. Me and Sean. Um, it. Yeah, uh, Sean, how about you? When did how how when did you first uh, see this movie, and then what was your opinion uh, when you came out of it? Yeah, so I mean, like we kind of talked about uh, with last week's show on Attack of the Clones, um, that was like one of the earliest sh- movies I saw in theaters, um, but barely remember it type of thing. This one I definitely remember, like going to the actual theater, seeing it, like remember the hype, like some of the hype of oh my god, finally get to see, you know, what happens in the end type of thing. Um, And I just really, really liked it. I I loved it when it it first came out. Um, I just remember being, I remember being, like, you know, sad, even though, like, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing 4, 5, and 6, obviously, before, um, you, you know... seeing four five and six before you already kind of know where it ends up but it's just like actually seeing it right. play out and stuff and especially just because like i feel like even though i had that information i feel like when you're like a young kid you kind of don't like think about it in the moment type of thing so mm-hmm. i just remember being like really like shocked and like sad at everything that happened and then kind of being like oh wow but then you know also really really you know liking it as as a good movie back then um so yeah yeah i think that's something we also talked about like uh in the previous two episodes too like prequels are definitely kind of you know showing you more of the politics side or at least phantom menace i think maybe mostly does that 
um, shows you know how they got to the story of the original trilogy. Um, for me, uh, I first saw this movie. I don't know what year it was. I was probably in. I must have been. In, I was either in middle. I, th- I might have been in middle school. I want to say, um, probably like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, I remember watching. I knew. I, I know. I seen it for the first time at my friend's house. Um, I think he had all three of the prequels on DVD. Um, so I think I might have mentioned in a different episode that I watched. I might have watched Phantom Mass with him as well. Um, but uh, I know watching this, I was very I was I didn't really know much about Star Wars at the time. So I think I was probably a little bit confused on what was going on. I was also young, so it's kind of like, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know what's going on, nor do I really care, I guess. And I don't, you know, really care about the the whole kind of everything going on in this universe. Mm-hmm. Um that's probably where my fear of, and if you don't know this by by the way, uh, I have a I have a fear of Palpatine in these movies. Uh, he scares the uh, shit out of me, and uh, I'm pretty sure this is where that came from. So it wasn't Episode Six, which I had seen first. It was probably this one, because uh, his his face very scary, uh, very yellow eyes. Um, I was just saying earlier before we started recording. Uh, if anybody has played uh, Pokemon Gale of Darkness out there, uh, his eyes uh, remind me of the main villain in that game. Um, but yeah, I want to say like I didn't really, you know, it was probably a good movie at the time, but I, or I thought it was good, but I didn't really care all that much. Uh, you know, it's not till you know maybe you know, however many years ago when I actually started caring about Star Wars again mm-hmm. um, is when I actually you know began to like the movie and realize you know for for me at least it's the best out of the prequels and i think that's probably you know the majority of people probably agree with that um i'm not with brandon on the whole best star wars movie i don't i, I think that's a that's a pretty wild take for me but i <laughs> you know it's all opinion based um but yeah i i i love the way i love where the movie goes and how it gets there and the story that it expands upon. Um, and then it just has some of the best duels in star Wars, or at least one of them, uh, which I think we can all agree with. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we touched a little bit on uh, the last episode on the lightsaber duels and the prequels. And then also throughout the entire franchise, um, and I think you're absolutely right. I think we went when we went through it quickly, we realized there's like four um, lightsaber duels just in this movie, which is, uh, yeah. you know, crazy. The amount of, you know, lightsaber on lightsaber like fights that we actually got in this we got more in this movie than, you know, uh, the entire sequel trilogy, which is <laughs> mm. like insane. Um but yeah, I just remember, you know, that was always so awesome. The light, seeing the lightsaber fights, seeing again as as brief as it was, it's more of even a disarm than a um, dual wield like fight. But uh, seeing Anakin again with like the two lightsabers is awesome. Uh, I remember that was always really cool. And then also just the end fight. And this I do remember from I don't know if it was the very first time I saw it or whatever, but when I was like, really younger, just loving. The fact that it was two blue lightsabers fighting on this, like, volcanic mm-hmm. planet. Like, the fact that yeah. I was like, oh, I like that, like, he still had, like, like when I was a kid, like, oh, Anakin still has his Jedi lightsaber. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome that, like, it's not just, oh, he's bad. So it immediately switched to a, a red and blue and stuff. And then right. also even as funny as, like, that, yeah is, you know, the <laughs> lightsaber, yeah. the quick lightsaber duel um in palpatine's office when uh you know as mace says this party's over um i I remember really loving that too yeah yeah um and it might it's probably like a stretch too but you know how like even like with the blue lightsaber and everything and obviously he just doesn't have access to like a new red one but it's also kind of like it uh, supports uh, Padme's like thing that when she says to Obi Wan, she says they're still good at him, and I guess you can kind of connect that in a way. It's probably like a little bit of a reach, but you know he mm-hmm. still has a lightsaber, so he still got something that he can you know connect back to the Jedi Order. 
Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, a new hope and everything that's gone. Um, Brandon, is there anything specifically, you know, like you want to talk about, like the as far as maybe like Obi Wan the character goes, relationship with him and Anakin? Um, just like for example, like the lat like uh, last week, what I brought up is I thought it was interesting watching it again that how Obi Wan refers to Anakin as a brother, and then Anakin looks at Obi Wan as uh, a father, and I just thought that was an interesting dynamic with the way they look at each other. Different. Yeah, so one thing I want to touch before I answer this question is that that whole fight at the end, I count five, mm-hmm. I don't mean to correct you, Sean, but I think there are five total lightsaber duels, um, but the the fight at the end, John Williams is in his bag, and this might be another hot take, but <laughs> Battle of the Heroes is better than Duel of the Fates. Now, Duel of the Fates is more iconic, but like when you actually listen to Battle of the Heroes and like the story that you're watching... It's it's my favorite score of all of the whole saga, and then mm. um, his the lightsaber duel with the two blues is amazing in the dark room, um, very well done. But then finally to your to your question about the whole relationship, I am a younger brother of someone that I've looked up to since I was born I mean we are the closest of brothers that I know. We're the only people that really like hang mm. out with. The, each other's friends so it was always like symbolic to how i felt towards him and then when you see this him like start to turn on obi-wan it's like you're like maturing out of your own relationship as i felt as though i was getting ready to do so it was more symbolic towards me and i connected more with anakin more than obi-wan even though obi-wan was my favorite character Mm -hmm. but that whole dynamic of you know like following him around and like trying to learn as much as you can and then going off on your own it was it, it was like the perfect description of what was going on in my life at the time with my older brother. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting. The more I think about it, like with this movie, I feel like he does. And I think Anakin does. this probably a decent amount during the three mo- or at least the two movies that Hayden's in. Um, he does a decent amount of like flip flopping where he'll, he'll, you know, be like so grateful. And he'll say like, Oh my God, like, you know, you've taught me everything I know. And then the next scene, he's like, I fucking hate him. You know, like, it's just, it's this very, like, interesting dynamic that he has with it, with Obi-Wan. And um, I think you see it, like, a decent amount in this, where uh, I think when Obi-Wan's going to fight or going to find Grievous, and, you know, he gives him, like, the little, like, oh, I'm so proud of you, you know? And, you know, you, you think they, like, have this really good moment. But then in the, you know, in the back of his Anakin head, Anakin's head, he's probably like, you know, 50-50, like, you know, this guy has been with me forever and he's taught me everything I know. But at the same time, it's like, he's holding me back. He's on the council. They'll hold, they're holding me back. They don't want to make me a master. It's this whole thing. And I think they do a really good job in the prequels in general of just kind of conveying that. Um, and I obviously like the Clone Wars, like the show really builds on the relationship i mean obviously you need that but um the movies when it was just the movies i think that did a really good job at that i've been <clears throat> yeah absolutely um i want to kind of get into a little bit of the movie here uh so we start off with obviously the battle of coruscant uh which i st- mm-hmm. I, I which actually on this rewatch i really feel like specifically the battle of coruscant does not get enough credit for really how similar it is to some things in um the original trilogy like some of the obviously some of the even same lines are lifted straight from uh lifted straight from the original trilogy uh, with it either being from, you know, A New Hope or Return of the Jedi, uh, with a lot of the clones even saying stuff like, you know, I can't shake him, you know, he, he's all over mm-hmm. me, you know. It's like, it's even <laughs> the exact same lines in some of it. But I really just, this is why I love when, when I rewatch things or, watch, or you know, not try to watch for the first time, but definitely when I rewatch things, I watch it with the subtitles on. Just because even if you can hear everything, you just gleam so much more from stuff. And so, like, 
I guess there's just these little interactions right off the bat at the start of the movie that I almost feel like I, like, never even noticed before, which is, like, mm-hmm. crazy. Um, like, the moment where it felt so much like Clone Wars, uh, like, it might as well have been Rex with him, uh, you know, if he wasn't busy on, on Mandalore. Um, it might as well have been Rex with him where uh, the one the one ship gets shot and... Mm-hmm. Anakin goes, I'm going to help them. And Obi-Wan says, they're doing their job so that we can do ours. Like, you know, get back on, you know, and it just, it's a good way to remind the audience. And it's, and it's uh, something that I remembered and realized and everything in this, um, that even though it's been, there's been a literal war in between, even though it's years later, Anakin still has that same tendency of like, that we saw in Attack of the Clones of, um, you know, put the ship down, you know, you'll be expelled mm. from the Jedi order, you know, and yeah, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Like <clears throat> he still has that same level of, you know, maybe he has a tighter leash on himself or maybe it's Obi-Wan, you know, having the tighter leash on him. We don't really know yet as an audience at this point in the movie, since it's the first scene, but kind of seeing that even though he's a little more reined in, Anakin's first impulse is still always to do the, the quick thing, the thing that's like, no, that's what makes sense to do. I need to go do that. And I think that mm-hmm. that being set up right right in the first scenes of the movie is fantastic. And also all the little jabs and nods and stuff to them as they're getting into the ship, uh, I think is is really, really great. The kind of lens to that uh, to that dynamic that, you know, they're so famous for. I, I just love that. Yeah, I, I I agree. Like I could see, you know, where you're coming from. How it's like being, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we don't really, you don't really talk about it as much when you're talking about the movie in general. But would you agree with me as well? Like what I said earlier before we started recording. Whereas, like, I felt like watching it again. Uh, that first like ten minutes is really played for laughs, and I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, I'll say, like, you know, we're not trying to review the movie, I think. I just thought it was interesting because it felt like a completely different tone than from the rest of the movie, where, you know, the rest of the movie is honestly pretty, I mean, it's pretty bleak, I feel like, throughout. Like, you know, like, you know, this turn is coming and everything's going to happen and, you know, Jedi are basically almost wiped out completely. Uh, But at the beginning, it's really like, you know, they're having quips back and forth where they're flying their ships. You have the R2 kind of taking out the taking out the two like uh super what are they called super uh, battle droids super mm-hmm. battle droids like you know the oil over lighting them on fire like it's all kind of one big laugh and then as soon as we get to kind of feel like once we get that ship back on the ground coruscant um i feel like that's when the tone is like oh no like this is a you know this is a bleaker story now like it's not all funny games before i just thought that was interesting yeah even in the deleted scene with the whole like plan where they dual lightsaber through the ground and they go into like the sewer area. That -hmm. was like a whole like joking scene where they were like, no, 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 don't do that. That's too dangerous. There's too many of them. And they're like doing all like the single signals. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually have a question for you guys. This question came up for me, like, uh, and this might be like, this might be addressed in like clone wars. I don't remember. Or, like, in a novel or something that's canon. Um, but, like, how in in the throne, in the, I don't know if it's, like, throne. When Anakin is, you know, cutting off, or, you know, Anakin is ordered by Palpatine to cut off Dooku's head. How, what is the, uh, what do you think the surprise factor is for Dooku? Does he know that he's going to die? Or do you, like, because his face, you know, I don't know if it's, like, a face where it's, like, I got to sell this. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a face where it's like, whoa, wait a minute, like, <laughs> you're going to have him kill me? Like, I thought we were on the same side. Like, what is the, what do you think the, like, range is where it's like, yeah, I knew this was coming, or it's like, well, this is a shock. I think to, <laughs> I think to Dooku, if you're just talking about Dooku's reaction, I think it is yeah. intense shock and what (laughs) because but then if you flip that with palpatine i think at this point palpatine was like all right one of these openings soon i need to 
get Dooku move, moving on down, you know, down the road, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that being said, I think even for Palpatine, he went, all right, like probably five minutes before yeah. when he was like, oh, okay, Anakin and Obi-Wan are really probably going to take this guy out. Um, I think he probably went, yep, this is as good a time as any. You know, so let's mm. do it. So I don't even know how much it was premeditated on with just Palpatine deciding to do it himself, let alone Dooku being in on it. That's just my opinion, though. What right. do you think, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah, so I think this is also like a piggyback of what you said earlier with like the whole Anakin's instant reaction thing. Like, he, he contemplates it. He sits there and he goes, oh, well, this isn't the right thing to do. But then he hears that older voice <laughs> in his head, just like Obi-Wan. And then realizes, like, this is the right thing to do. He's too dangerous to be left alive, just like Palpatine says. So I think it's also, like you said, like a shock factor. I think Dooku probably thought he was going to be taken alive because that's the Jedi way. But then, lo and behold, and on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a wild... I just think that's, like, such a wild scene because we don't get anything more... Yeah, exactly. Like, not even that, like, that image that you're showing us right now, like, that is like a that is like a plea that's the face of a please don't kill me yeah but when he like he just you know palpatine just does like the good mm-hmm. kill him yeah <laughs> and he's like what <laughs> like that is just such a like uh that's just such a like a oh i you know i thought i had more time <laughs> but i guess i yeah there he is <clears throat> yeah and then i love to like like you said it is definitely like a pre comical i mean it's pretty dark what do you had what anakin actually does um no yeah but that, it's yeah but like you said everything around it's pretty comical it actually reminds me of the first arc of uh season seven of clone wars when anakin finally kills admiral trench the like spider guy in clone wars after their like third fight uh throughout the series and Anakin's like he's having a blast uh but you know his version of having a blast in that episode is when he finally kills him he puts it his lightsaber you know straight through him and is just like well I guess the general won't be coming back it's like you literally like (laughs) brutally murdered that guy like sure he was Mm -hmm. a separatist and like a war criminal but you know it's kind of the same thing here where he's just like you know (laughs) Rex I think we could say you know he won't be a problem after all and it's like you just murdered mm. him. Like, you could have easily taken him prisoner, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it shows you that, like, how intense that is. And I think, if anything, he did ha- he did question himself more with Dooku because we know that, mm. you know, even with the Tusken Raiders and everything, like, Anakin knows that the things that he's doing, you know, aren't good or shouldn't be done. But, um, right. uh, you know, at the same time he keeps falling back into them. You know what I mean? So he can know, he can realize his mistakes all he wants, but, you know, he keeps falling back into the similar trap of everything, and I, I really, really like that. And then I do like, you know, seeing Grievous, too, um, you know, in his full, full gigantic, you know, glory. Yeah, I wish I could go back, like, to when this movie came out and see what the reaction was to Grievous. If people were... If people were like you know felt he was menacing or if people were expecting something more mm-hmm. than just this you know guy with this droid with I, these eyes then find it we also find out he's a beating heart as well i will say this <laughs> um you know people always say like you know I, I feel like every five or ten years or whatever there's one of those like cg characters that you're like that is literally so good it's I, I can't imagine it ever looking bad with time. And I feel like General mm. Grievous being a s- entirely CG character, um, he is in the same camp as, like, Davy Jones from the Pirates movies or, like, Thanos that's like, you just nailed it looking so perfectly, you know, first of all, like, HD, like, it's, like, there's nothing about Grievous that looks non-photorealistic to begin with, Mm -hmm. but then just how well they do it, but, like, you know, like, Grievous and, uh, Davy Jones and Thanos, like, 
you just there's nothing about this that feels uncanny valley there's nothing about this that makes me doubt that it's a real breathing you know whatever character um and i think that grievous definitely falls into that and i think you know that's not to say oh jar jar looks bad like this is also the best that jar jar's ever looked but like when you put like a just even the six-year difference of like jar jar and phantom menace in next to you know grievous in this movie it it'd be like a puppet versus you know a real person like it's mm. it's literally just that good it's it's just crazy it, and it baffles me every time i see it because every time i'm like all right we've had so many good cg fully cg characters and and creatures and stuff now is grievous still gonna look good and whether it's these opening scenes or on like Utapau, he still looks fantastic in every single time i see it yeah, yeah and i real quick uh i think that's something too like something i thought to myself as well while watching this it's like you know we talked about the cg and phantom menace and i think there's like un- it's undoubtedly like uh as these movies went on the cg just got like better and better each movie um was it nominated for this one as well or no do you know off the top of your head i think so yeah i'll pull it up all right so i guess Uh, while you're doing that i just wanted to say something about the whole grievous thing you you had asked about like how people felt about this and i just remember and like i played all the star wars games as like the kids and so I just remember getting out of, like, the whole Grievous section in this movie and being like, gosh, I really wish he was in the first two movies or, like, had some kind of, like, mm. bigger role in the first two movies because mm-hmm. he was such a good villain. And I know the main villain is supposed to be Anakin and Palpatine towards the end. But hmm. if they would have done more focusing on Grievous, it, I thought the movie could have, like, he could have backpacked the, the main antagonist for at mm. least a movie or two. See, this is but the I mean, this is like the thing with the villains of the prequels is, you could say, man, I wish Grievous was like the main like you know villain because the Emperor, like you said, the Emperor is obviously the overarching villain of all of the Star Wars film of all of the Skywalker saga, but then you kind of have your like trilogy villain, which you know in this case I would say is, uh, um, or sorry, you have your like kind of your trilogy villain like Vader. Or, you know, it's still the Emperor in the sequels, but you also have that Snoke or the Emperor lair above Kylo. Uh, so it's, but then this movie is like, it's the Emperor again, but that second villain doesn't stay for the whole trilogy. So you're like, I wish that Grievous was the villain for the whole trilogy. He just would have been so much more fleshed out. Still a great character, but he would have been so much more fleshed out. You could say the same thing. And I'm not taking anything away from your point. I'm just emboldening your point. You could no. say the like you could say the same thing with Dooku. You could say the same thing with Maul. It's like those three characters are so good, and they hit them so well. But it's just like, man, if we could have just picked one and stuck with it, this would have been like crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I know. Been so good. I agree, and I think like what you're saying is right on because. You can't take Dooku or Darth Maul out of the first two films. They were way too good. And I think even to like compare the point is like Jango Fett in the second movie. Yeah. I think Jango Fett was a great villain, but you know, he's only there for one movie because you can't sit there and give a backstory on Jango Fett when you have Count Dooku as the main overarching villain in just episode two. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the whole Emperor thing in the the prequels is the uh, the main villain, so it's like I said, it, it that's my initial take from when I when I first watched the movie was that Grievous was just such a badass villain that I like mm. yeah walked down when yeah um, I wish I got more of that. Something I thought was funny, and this is just like something that I just noticed while watching it. Do you notice that they just start calling him the Emperor out of nowhere? <laughs> Grievous, or is that just me? Is, oh, no. Does anybody ever be like, oh, you know, he's the emperor now? Because I felt like I, I don't know who it was that originally said it, but I, I just noticed they started saying just the emperor. And I was like, well, when did we start calling him that? Because <laughs> like Obi-Wan still say, still say Chancellor Palpatine, but I think like Yoda says the emperor. Or something. I did not notice. Uh, oh, okay. I just thought that was funny. Well, um, doesn't he call him? 
Yeah, I mean, Yoda calls him Emperor in the final battle, but that's after he changes it to an Empire. Yeah, when he walks into the room. Because oh, remember that that's a good the, point. that whole thing that. happens. Like, Anakin's fall yeah, happens, right. like, halfway through. So, but, yeah, I know you're what right. you mean. That yeah. is a very good point. <laughs> I never still, really associated that, yeah. like, oh, Empire Emperor, like. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. How about that Yoda and Palpatine fight, though? How do we feel about that? How do you feel about the look of it and everything and throwing the Senate, you know, little podiums around and everything? Scale of it was great. I Yeah. This is why the movie is just my favorite out of all of them because every single, like, half hour is jam-packed with great storytelling plus good action, if not great action, in that, like, when he first arrives in the room... And then they just have, like, the force battle, and then they have the lightsaber battle, and then they have another force battle where they're sitting there, like you said, like, throwing the chairs back and forth, and then ultimately Yoda retreating, but, like, that, it's just going to show that, like, Yoda is always thought of as, like, the best with the force, and then when he's matched up against Palpatine, there isn't really one that outpowers the other. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, um. I thought it was I th- I think it's a fantastic fight. Uh I do wish it wasn't I kind of wish it was his own thing. Like I told Sh- or I was saying to Sean, I think Brian when you walked away earlier. Uh or maybe you were there. I d- I never realized or I didn't remember that it was intertwined with the uh Obi-Wan Anakin fight. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have rather had it where it's like it's separate thing. Um cuz I think I think for me like I would and there there is a decent chunk of a fight in there. Um, but I think I would have had a, rather had a little bit more. Um, but yeah, like you said, like between the two, like there's never really a they both get their punches in, you know, like it's never like you never feel like, oh, you know, one is way stronger than the other. Um, I do feel like if it came down to it, like Yoda just has more tricks in the bag that he could pull out because uh, it seems like nobody else knows how to do the whole absorb with your hand thing yeah no, <laughs> like i mean you know when mace can do it like in with his lightsaber i think was that is that, isn't that established yep. Mm-hmm. yep right um but you know like yoda's like full like we see it in attack of the clones like he's like just like keeping the energy and it's like what that you know like um so powerful and the same with like the 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 space like the whole kind of palpatine's office is like the the bottom of the senate like space and then it's like rising up and they're in the and like that that whole thing is so cool and you know him throwing the the senate you know levitator things at him and then him like catching the one and spinning it like a frisbee or whatever throwing it back at him like that is all so cool um and i think it adds a lot to the movie and uh for you know i would say neither of them really win um because they both, you know, Yoda kind of just falls down. And, you know, they both get repelled, I guess, by each other. But, yeah, I, you know, I agree. I think that is, it's definitely a, it, it, it's definitely one I look back very fondly, that fight. Battle of the Heroes just inter- mm-hmm. intertwines that whole scene with, with both <clears throat> duels going on at the same time very, yeah. very well. It's just like, oh, my God, like, this is the heavyweight fight. And then you look at the other side, and it's still just as big as a heavyweight fight. Like, it's it's your two top dogs, and then the two, like, right under them. It doesn't get any better than that. Great. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, why, why uh, kind of skirt around it? Let's just talk about that fight. The Mustafar fight, the end, everything with that, you know. The speech at the end, taking the lightsaber... You know, I hate you, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. You have done that yourself. You know, there's so much uh, to go to go into and talk about with just kind of that end scene uh, with, with Mustafar specifically. Also, finally, after all this time, one of the longest surviving prequel characters, finally Nuke Gunray bites it uh, at Mustafar. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, yeah. to quote C.O. Bibble. 
After 10 years and four cases in the court, he's still <laughs> the viceroy of the Trade Federation. Yeah. Uh, and he blasts the whole Clone Wars, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, See, couldn't uh, that be Grievous? No, I, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or like, even... Why couldn't that or be where Grievous was? Or here's an idea. Like, what if they had just written it that, you know, uh, instead of the Trade Federation, if it was like... Or it still could have been the Trade Federation... But base it on Sereno and have the Count Dooku be the leader of the Trade Federation, and then the Trade Federation becomes the Separatists. Whoa. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no. That being said, whether it's him wiping out the Separatists or then Padme and Obi Wan finally showing up, um, let's just get into all of it with the yeah, we got a final battle. Yeah, we got to start there with with the whole dialogue, and it's like a meme dialogue that like every person who's watched Star Wars can recite that whole dialogue between <laughs> Anakin and Obi Wan. But like that yeah. that that's great. Like that is such a good start to like, and it like ties up their relationship and gets the whole fight started perfectly with the whole thing with he's brought peace and security to his new empire, and then like. That like takes Obi Wan aback because he's just like Your you've been Empire. doing democracy. Yeah, like you've been protecting mm. democracy, not like you serve democracy, not empires. Like, who do I even know you anymore? So like, this is not the person that I trained. You clearly have turned, even though like I know that you've killed younglings. I now have seen it myself. You've you said it to me yourself, and even where he's just like, if you're not with me, then you're against me. He, like, still wants Obi-Wan to be there with him, but then, ultimately, they both make their choices to be against one another, and then the the greatest lightsaber duel out of the whole saga occurs. Whoa, okay. It's, you're, not, you're not taking uh, Rey and Kylo Ren on Kylo, the Kylo, I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Come on, man. Kef beer? You don't like the Kef beer duel is better than the Mustafar? Or or Finn or Finn versus Kylo in Force Awakens, but no. Come on, I'm taking man. I, They use the environment perfectly. They use their mm-hmm. dialogue perfectly. They use like how Obi-Wan has taught Anakin everything, so they're using the same moves constantly. Yeah, perfect and mirror I've, of I've, each other. Yeah, and I've heard, like, oh, this fight is too choreographed, so it's not good enough. And so I, I just, like, fire back and say, the guy, they, like, they grew up together. They've taught, like, Obi-Wan has taught Anakin everything. And so now they're, like, trying to one-up each other by moves that they've learned. And it's the same thing, so it's really hard to. But then, eventually, Anakin overestimates his power and... Finito to the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, no, I, 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 I love that fight. Uh, the whole kind of, you know, master apprentice type, you know, dynamic. Obviously, it's gone throughout the entire prequel trilogy. Um, all comes out in that fight. Like, and I agree, with, completely agree with you too. Like the whole kind of like. They're both matching each other because they both know each other so well that, you know, they even have, like, you know, we made fun of it, but the the whole, like, hand kind of force pushing each other and then they both just kind of, you know, repel back, I thought was Yeah, because really it just shows um, they're perfectly even matched right now. Right. Um, you know, obviously, dialogue a bit clunky in the beginning, but, you know, you get the point across where it's, like, compl- obviously, like, Anakin is not in the same headspace that he was, uh, you know, in the first movie, second movie, etc. Um, he's gone. He slipped uh, into the dark side. Um, and it's clear from what he's saying, you know, and it could, just goes back to the uh, me and Sean talked about in the Attack of the Clones episode when he's talking to Padme and when they're talking about the government and he's like, well, they should be made to. And then she's like, that sounds like a dictatorship. And he goes, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if it, it works. Just kinda goes back to that. Yeah. And me and Sean were like, I think he's like joking, but he's like not joking, like in that moment. And you know, it just kind of all comes around back full circle, like everything he said uh has led up to this point. Um But yeah, and 
and Obi-Wan doesn't kill him. You know, he says to Yoda, he's like, I cannot kill him. And he doesn't kill him. Like, he stays true to his word, even though, you know, it seems at points, like, if he needs to, like, he's going to put this through his stomach or something, like he's going to murder him. Uh, um, but, you know, props to him, I guess. He doesn't. I think, though, <laughs> leaving the fight, I think it, he definitely is like, this guy's dead. Like, he's going to die. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. I'm not the, but he did it to himself. He's not. He did a, you know, yeah, like exactly. he did a defensive swipe, basically, in his mind, mm-hmm. I think. It's like, you know, or even if he thinks he didn't, like, you know, either way, he brought it on him. He even, the last thing he says to him before he does it is, don't try it. You know, don't, don't just it, yeah. don't, you know. <laughs> and he does. And you see what happens. Yeah, he can't even watch it either. That's the whole thing, too. Like, where yeah. he doesn't want to watch Anakin die. Mm-hmm. He, like, turns away, yeah. and he's just like, I'm walking away. I'm not going to watch this because it's too painful yeah. emotionally. And that's why, you know, kind of what we've been doing uh, with these with these three, um, uh, what we've been doing kind of talking about these three movies is linking it to Kenobi and to the both the character and the series in general. And, you know, kind of almost one of the entire mission statements, I feel, of the Kenobi series is that line in Return of the Jedi of, you know, you know, Luke saying, you know, well, come with me now and, you know, we can leave this place and be, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you can be, you know, I forget what he says, be at peace or, you know, you can get out of this or something. And he, and Vader says, and it's crazy. Rewind. I can't wait for hopefully one day we can do this for the original trilogy to revisit those, but it's just crazy to hear Vader. Mm. that This is like halfway through return of the Jedi. Uh, when Luke and Vader are talking about this and he's like, it's too late for me, son. You know, he doesn't say, no, Mm. I made my choice and I, I stuck with it. And I, uh," you know, he, he's like, it's too late. He literally says, it's too late for me, son. You know, I, I've, I'm i in my lot in life, and that's it. You know, he's not... He Even then, he still has those moments. And then you get the line of, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you did, as you do. You know, well, when? Because he's not given mm-hmm. him much of a chance to say, you know, Anakin, there's still good in you. I believe in you uh, in this movie. And if anything, after the fight, after he believes that Anakin is dead or anything. Padme is the one to say it to Obi-Wan of, you know, Obi-Wan, there's still good in him. You know, believe me, there's still, there's still good in him, uh, which ultimately for everything bad that he does. And it's a lot of bad stuff. She's right. Luke was right. That's Vader's when Anakin dies. That's his last words is, you know, tell your sister, you were right. You know, you were right about me. Um, and I just think it's crazy just how, A, how amazing of a, of a finale this movie was, um, but also just how much it means to kind of carry us through through Kenobi into episode four with, you know, uh, Vader and Obi-Wan having that rematch on the Death Star. Uh, and then kind of how not only this fight, but you'd assume the events in Kenobi and you'd assume the events in episode four inform kind of where vader's redemption is in return of the jedi um and i just love that i just think it's so impressive that this movie ends on such a high note and means so much to inform uh not only what had come before it but continues to inform things like kenobi and clone wars and everything like that going forward in you know into the future which i think is an amazing feat of this movie Agreed. Very much agreed. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be very hard to end on a high note for this movie, but it, like you said, it does with the mm-hmm. whole hope of uh, Luke being given to his aunt and uncle, which is obviously going to be where the Kenobi series starts, and then Obi Wan watching over him. Um, the whole dynamic. I'm I'm really eager to see how they bring their relationship and their turmoil back into a series. And then also Obi-Wan dealing with the whole, you know, I guess results or consequences of uh, episode three and trying to deal mentally with it. And then you even get in the trailer when uh, Uncle Owen says, like, you trained his father 
And he, like, looks like, mm-hmm. how are you going to bring that up? And then to see, like, where that leads yeah. and, like, if Obi-Wan maybe takes a step back from watching over Luke right. and then whatever may happen. But I think that it'll definitely connect a lot of the dots. And I think that a lot of these series slash, like, Rogue One story has done that. And if those are any kind of indications of where this Kenobi series is going to go, it's definitely going to be something that is going to be one of the landmark I guess I, I want to say like cinematic, but you know, stories of the Star Wars saga. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I was talking to Sean too uh, yesterday when I was watching the movie. Um, something that you know, just to speak to on the Kenobi series, like I think a big, maybe not a big part of the series, but I think something that you know has to be touched on in the series is that kind of that line from Yoda at the end of the movie where he's like, oh, you know, Qui-Gon has discovered the ability to, you know, communicate from, you know, beyond the grave. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think that's something that probably needs to be addressed in this, in this show, I would imagine. Um, I think it'd be a really big missed opportunity. I know, I think Liam Neeson was like, I have no, no, uh, nothing to do with this show. Uh, I think he's probably lying. Um, But I think that'd be like a really cool payoff uh, for anybody, you know, that's been, you know, I don't know if people have been waiting for that necessarily, but maybe if you watched the movie, you know, like we did, like before the show, I think that'd be a really cool, like kind of callback to it to see, you know, how that, how that goes and what may, what Qui-Gon can, you know, what wisdom he can give to Obi-Wan after this, complete failing of Anakin I feel like um and he says it too he says he failed uh and that is again I think that and again that goes back to you know Sean like Filoni's whole speech about how the duel of the fates is the fate of you know Anakin and you know was Obi-Wan really ready to train him as his own and I think that all kind of you know loops back into itself which I think is really cool. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, Brandon, what do you kind of uh, get from, from this whole thing? Or, or how do you how do you feel about the, the scene and the fight and kind of the breakdown of their relationship? And uh, how, do you, how do you feel thinking back on that stuff? And how do you think it might, you know, influence things like Kenobi or, or others? Or how does it inform your watching of Star Wars going forward? Like I said, when when I rewatch it, it's just the whole dynamic and Anakin going off on his own, and then Obi Wan. I think you're gonna get a lot of Obi Wan dealing with it, like how Luke dealt with uh, the Kylo Ren situation, and mm-hmm. trying to just like distance himself, but then still try to do what's best for whatever like the New Hope is, and that being Luke. Um, I think. Aside from the whole battle scene or the duel scene, um, and as I previously mentioned, the whole dynamic between Obi Wan and Uncle Owen, and their dynamics between, like trying to keep Luke away from the whole history of where he comes from, mm-hmm. to where he needs to be the one to restore this idea of the Jedi and bring balance to the Force, because like TJ just said. He feels like he failed Anakin, and he failed, ultimately, Qui-Gon because of his last promise to Qui-Gon. And then he's, like, going to try to make it up. So I feel like he's going to over-push a lot of things, and this may lead to the issues that come arise in Kenobi. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that it, it all ties back to, like TJ just said, the understanding of Anakin being failed by obi-wan and obi-wan dealing with the failure going forward yeah absolutely that's gonna be a major theme which is kind of crazy too because it's like (laughs) obi-wan really did like anything he kind of could like he did everything that he could for him still failed i don't think i i almost feel like no matter what like whatever he does you know if he were to go back and redo everything like i still think it ends same it did 
Yeah, I don't think it's um, like Luke's story where Luke made a choice. Right. When he like sees in Kylo Ren's yeah. mind rather than like Obi Wan right. did everything like the right way but wasn't right. ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I still think it, it kinda goes back to the whole like it doesn't help that like the Jedi are very much stuck in their ways that they're not willing to kind of advance maybe with the universe as a whole, kind of. Um you know, just in their teachings and how they go about things. Um, so that's why, you know, I think, you know, no matter what you do, how far you go back, it just ends up. The same. Yeah. Do you so, think if, sorry, I'm, I'm just curious because TJ, you had brought this up. Do you think that the force ghosts of Liam Neeson being <clears throat> featured in the Kenobi series would be a bigger surprise than the Luke appearance in the end of Mando? Um, Like, shock factor. Would you be like, oh my gosh, oh, I don't... shock e-. factor. Yeah, like, I didn't expect this to happen. Um, I see, I always interpreted it as, and I know it's obviously like Force Ghosts are a thing. I always thought maybe it would just be a voice. Like, I never thought, like, he'd show up like, full form. Um, I mean, for me personally, like the Luke thing is just bigger for me. Um, but I know like Qui-Gon, you know, people love that character. Um, so I think it's a possibility and I think it would probably, I would say yes, because I think it would mean more too. Not that the Luke thing doesn't mean more because, you know, or mean anything, but like, you know, that is Obi-Wan's, you know, master and he watched him die in front of him and he made this promise and he failed. And now he's like, he doesn't know what to do. And I think for me, you know, I think probably for me actually, and you know, maybe majority of people, like I think that would be a very major surprise and a very good surprise. Um, yeah, I just think that would, I think that'd be awesome. John. Yeah. Um, I think it would be a good, a big huge surprise to a lot of people i feel like but i feel like compared to luke and mando i mean that was different on a scale of like not only was it just like oh my god it's luke but it was up to that point you don't think maybe you know aside from maybe ahsoka that it would be you know that we would even get a legacy character or a jedi character you know what i mean in that Mm. show let alone getting luke you know what I mean? I mean, there was a reason that on set and everything, they, they pretended like it was going to be Plo Koon coming in to, like, rescue. Um, <laughs> which, you know, it would have been like, oh, okay, well, wow, all right. He, good, good, he survived <laughs> the crash somehow. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I still think, like I said, though, for a lot of people that might not, like, follow pr- any production stuff or not to say that any production stuff is revealed that, Liam Neeson was on it or anything. I'm just saying, like, someone who's just like, man, I loved the prequels, you know, let's check out what this Kenobi show has. You might be like, mm. oh, it would be cool if, like, you know, Liam Neeson came back for one of these. I don't know how they would do that or what would happen. And then to have him show up as a Force ghost, I think that would be very, very cool and surprising and, and, and pleasing to a lot of different people, I think. Um, but, yeah, do you think that uh, we will? see him in some capacity maybe uh, not friend? see maybe not see him now that you brought up like the whole voice thing i think that's the most likely is he the first one to have like the force ghosts like is that is that confirmed i thought yeah. i heard that somewhere but yeah okay yeah. so so that, that i mean that's know. pretty substantial yeah that's pretty substantial so i feel like that should be a part of the series um i think secretly this is my big kenobi thing i think that the whole obviously the plot in the story is going to be he gets dragged off tatooine to do this protect luke and do all that but i think that his internal thing that he needs to overcome is this i think that we are going to get episode one kind of like ray with the like you know be with me be with me I think that we are going to get Obi-Wan struggling, reaching out to try and contact Qui-Gon, not succeeding, not succeeding, not succeeding, you know, and then I think that, you know, 
maybe then he finds out that Anakin's alive. That you know, okay, you know, I, I, maybe it go, maybe it all comes together, and you go from you know, Obi Wan once thought as you did, you know, that maybe he goes, all right, the first time I didn't really give him much of a shot, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna face him. And I'm going to say, Anakin, you can come back. We can do this together. You know, really extend the olive branch and then have Vader just, you know, smack it away. And then Obi-Wan can kind of find a little bit of peace of, all right, it's not all on me. It was a conscious choice that he made. It's not my failure entirely. He made a choice. He made his choice. You know what I mean? Um, And then maybe once, once he comes to peace with you know all that stuff then i feel like maybe you get qui-gon right at the end of the show as this moment of you know the the necessary events of the kenobi series was so that obi-wan can finally this tease that we got all the way back in revenge of the sith 17 years ago that he can finally commune with qui-gon like yoda tells him Mm -hmm. to you know, try to do. And I think it would be so impactful for this movie, for the series, for the character, if, you know, Qui-Gon has these teachings for you, go, you know, speak with him, try to commune with him, and then we find out it has taken him 10 years because he's so torn up inside, you know, about everything, about, you know, protecting Luke or whatever, that he just, he can't kind of center himself so he's not going to be able to, you know, reach out to Qui-Gon type of thing, um, which I think mm. is is really, really cool. I think that's I think you can also have the whole di- – yeah, I think the whole dynamic of maybe he doesn't want to talk to Qui-Gon as much because he feels like his last dying wish was to train the boy. Yeah, he feels like and maybe that was he something that, failed him. Yeah, like he failed him. So, like, do I really want to tell my master that his dying wish was, like, a failure of mine? So it's just, as you were talking about, like, this is going through my head, and I'm, like, trying to think, like, maybe that's something that they get into. But, I don't know, TJ, you can... Yeah, I mean, uh, something I was just thinking uh, is... um, I can remember. (laughs) It just escaped my head of what I... I I was thinking some... Oh, I remember. Um, The... uh, You think... I'm just excited for, and we're kind of talking about Obi-Wan show and probably wrap up in a few minutes here, but uh, Kenobi show, like you think like we get that like realization, right? That he's like him, like realizing he's alive. Right. Or do you think that's like, uh, do you think that'll be like an off screen thing where he already know? Cause how many years after is this? Like 10. Cause that was, Oh, so 10. Okay. So he probably, you know, I'm hoping that we get like the reaction of, Oh shit, he's still alive. Yeah. Um, I feel like cuz in Legends, he he found that out like less than a year into hiding. Oh, which okay. was like, yeah. you know, cool for that story that they were telling. Um right. but I think again going to that to that kind of theory I have with like not being able to reach out to Qui-Gon type of thing. Um I think it'd just be so much more impactful to think not o- this guy was so torn up inside over everything that happened to him, thinking that Anakin was dead, thinking, man, I am so torn to pieces over what happened in my life and, and the events that I let transpire. But at least, you know, at least Anakin is gone. You know, he's he's, at, you know, hopefully at peace. You know, maybe he maybe he's even squared Anakin away in his mind. You know what I mean? That he's like, you know. Ever, all this crap went to shit, and I could have I could have helped stop it, you know. But it, but at least Anakin didn't fully go down the dark path, you know. He thinks that he's got some sort of thing, and then to find out, no, for ten years this guy has been rampaging and murdering how many people, uh, you know, taking out all these different things, and then he gets on top of the already guilt that he has, he then gets the double whammy of oh my god i didn't even finish the job Mm. i feel like that is way too juicy of a concept to just explain oh yeah i couldn't you know to say to owen yeah i i couldn't believe when i find out when i found out eight and a half years ago that you know anakin's still out there you know like i you know i feel like 
that just has so much less weight and power to it if he's just like, man, if only I didn't have to protect Luke, I could go out and take care of that that Vader guy. You know, it's like I feel like if he found out that Anakin is alive, I think his first thing is going to take going to take him out or going to confront him. Like I don't I don't think that yeah. he would just be like, "Oh, Anakin's alive." Man, good luck to whoever has to deal with that. You know, I feel like he has a a big degree of like personal responsibility for that. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um I think maybe to end the this episode, we should probably maybe just each like go around and say like what our favorite if we can pinpoint one. Uh maybe just our favorite moment of the whole movie. That's possible. Um Brian, you want to start? Should I guess? <laughs> Yeah, the clip, and I have it saved as my back on my phone for, like, ever. It is Mm -hmm. the eruption behind the two shadow figures, like, the two figures along the uh, bridge on Mustafar, and them, like, holding each Mm -hmm. other's lightsaber arms, and it's just, like, them Uh fighting. That one still is my favorite part of the whole movie, I thought, just perfect cinematic like capture of what Mm. the movie was about yeah john um i think for me i think what really is the best thing is just that look from also from musafar uh it's i'll I'll go with two two shots two two moments uh that i feel like are like just always will stick with me is obviously the head turn with the yellow eyes and the and the single tear towards his camera that Anakin gives Mm. um and then also uh, a few scenes later just that great you know kind of foreground background shot of Anakin's Anakin standing there and then Obi-Wan over his shoulder behind him um, you know, kind of reacting to his whole, you know, your new empire, you know, uh, I just think that that's mm. fantastic. Uh, I really love that scene. I think my favorite, I think one of my favorite scenes of the movie is that scene with Padme, Anakin, and Obi-Wan uh, with the whole, you know, Anakin, you're breaking my yeah. heart. And then, you know. And as, as clunky as the dialogue is, it just works. Yeah. <laughs> it works. <laughs> she brought you to kill me. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for me, you know, same same planet, same kind of space time so far. Um, but for me, it's the and it always it really it gives me like goosebumps and it gets me like emotional. Is just the like, uh, the I hate you and then the I love you and that whole dynamic and you know it gets me like every single time I watch it and even just like the I think it's like two minutes before that when they're kind of facing off and they're both on their um, they both have their own like robot thing they're standing on, yeah. and he's just like, "I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you." Like, oh, damn! Like, you know, it just really gets me. In. It's a, it's like a clip I like will always go back to if I'm not even watching. Um, but yeah, I think that'll that'll probably wrap this episode up. Um, I've been one of your hosts, uh, TJ Cornwell. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of a one hour movie um don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram uh thank you to brandon for joining us again uh brandon always welcome yeah thank you Um, for having me of course uh and follow us on tiktok instagram and twitter yeah um Thank you guys so much again for joining us for uh, one another one-hour movie and for joining us for this kind of re- revisit through the prequel tr- trilogy in anticipation for Kenobi coming up. Um, if you don't know already, we've talked about it on PFN Live a little bit, but our next uh, one-hour movie is going to be into the uh, riding into the danger zone with Top Gun in anticipation <laughs> for Top Gun Maverick coming out uh, at the end of this month. Uh, so make sure you are, uh, you know, uh, f- subscribed on the audio podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, especially. Make sure to five star rate the podcast over there on those platforms. It really, really helps boost us up the, uh, you know, podcast ratings, the the movie podcast ratings, and everything. That way, uh, more people can get can get the file um, and everything. And I I did see that, 
you know, our last uh, our last one hour movie did some pretty good numbers. I figured it probably would just because, uh, you know, of the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones and everything. But we're happy to see that. Happy to see that more people are engaging on the podcast uh, feeds uh, in general. And like TJ said, make sure to follow us at the official PFN on Instagram, on TikTok uh, and Twitter, TikTok especially. TikTok has been blowing up like crazy lately. We really, really appreciate it, guys. I mean, the amount of views and stuff that we're getting on some of them uh, is like stuff that we can't even believe. Um, so we really, really appreciate that from you guys. And, uh, yeah, I just want to thank Brandon again for coming on here. And uh, last but not least, if you are watching on YouTube, give us a comment of some suggestions of things that you'd like us to talk about on future one-hour movies. And make sure to subscribe. Click that red button below and the notification bell for any uh, reactions, news, and reviews coming your way. Till then, guys, we will catch you in the next video. If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. You will try. <laughs>